I wanna, I'm going to talk to you from Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 9. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 9. Um, <clears throat> a church our size, there's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of challenges. Especially when there's life and it's grow, it, we are growing. We're a growing church. The momentum is in the right direction. But we're at a challenging size where there are a lot of needs, but not a lot of us to meet those needs. Um, like our kids. It's a challenge. Every week, the people who are serving on that team are amazing, and I'm always so concerned about their health spiritually and physically and emotionally because they serve so faithfully. Um, but what can happen? I want to meet all of your needs. I know, and I know people come with, and they're not even necessarily always needs, but it's like, boy, it'd be great to have men's, a men's ministry. You know, and I'm the kind of guy that can get passionate about anything and everything, like anything. I probably could have, should have been a car salesman or something. Like, I, I, you, you put me in charge of men's ministry, I'm all in. I got vision. I got ideas. The men's ministry is the greatest ministry in the church, as far as I'm concerned. You put me in charge of kids, same way. I'm all in. I'm passionate about that thing. Um, but the challenge for me is I look out and I look and I see, man, you know what would really help this person is if we could do this thing. And you know what would help these folks if we could do, and I see struggles in marriages. And I'm going, man, if we could only provide, you know, marital counseling and, and marriage groups. And, and, if we, and I see people struggling with their kids. And I'm, oh, man, if we could have parenting classes. And if we could provide, there's all these things in my heart I want to provide. And uh, there's a phrase rattling around in my head, and I'm, I'm debating whether or not to use it. I think I'm going to use it, but I'm going to ask for grace with it. I'm concerned that the church doesn't become a spiritual welfare state. In the natural, what a welfare state looks like is I have a need, the government should meet it. In the spiritual, I have a need and the church should meet it. Welfare. God's design for your life in the natural is you have a need. He uniquely gifted you and enabled you to work with your hands to meet that need. Nobody in between you and the supply. You, you build that thing in the natural. No intermediary. You do it. That's God's design. I think it's similar in the spiritual. You have a need. God is your supply. Nobody in the middle. The Old Testament was dude in the middle. We have sin that needs to be dealt with. Let's go to the priest, offer a sacrifice. He'll go in on our behalf before the Lord and meet the need. God was not a fan of that design. That wasn't his ultimate plan. And it's, it's so amazing to me 
that there's something in our hearts, I believe it's a religious thing, uh, where we want that intermediary. The children of Israel, in, um, after they've been delivered, I mean, it's similar to this point. After they've been delivered, they're at the foot of the mountain, and God is shaking the mountain, and there's wind, and there's trumpets, blasts, and there's all this crazy stuff, and God wants to speak to his people. No intermediary. I want to speak to my people. And they say, actually, let's, put, let's have Moses go talk to God on our behalf. And we still kind of live that way. I, I do. I, I do. I have a need in my life, and I go, man, I wonder if uh, Paul David Tripp has written a book on this issue. Or, uh, man, I'll bet you, uh, you know, Mark Driscoll probably has something to say. Or, you know, like, I need an intermediary. I want somebody to tell me what God thinks. And now, today, the kingdom is a, we are in a kingdom of tensions. I'm going to speak one tension, one side of the tension today. There's another side of the tension. And the only way I can walk the truth is to hang on to both sides. When I hang on to this truth and this truth, then I'm aligned. So today I'm speaking this truth. There is truth over here. But today I want to talk about this one. Does that make sense? We need each other. We need community. We talk about community a lot. But today I just want to challenge you uh, about who you are in Christ and your identity. And, uh, and what this thing called church really is intended to look like. Um, let me read this. Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 9 says... For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. That word holy means set apart. Out of all the nations of the world, he took his people, pulled them out, said, these are mine. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. It sounds awesome. You're treasured by God, but you're also owned by God. He owns you. You're his possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. I love that. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Here we see God alluding to his plan. I want a holy people. I want a, 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 a priesthood of people that I own. They belong to me, and they serve me. The purpose and focus of their life is me. I'm at the center. They're my treasure, and I am their treasure. Uh, I was laying in bed thinking about all the needs. 
of the church. All the needs that I could think of. Of man, we really need to do blank. Man, we really need to do blank. And it's the strangest thing. It sounds so nerdy. But I'm laying in bed, thinking about all this stuff, and the Westminster Catechism came to my mind, because I'm a nerd. And in the Westminster Catechism, it starts with the purpose of, uh, the purpose of man is one of the issues it addresses. And I've, I've quoted this to you before. But so what is the purpose for man? And the Westminster Catechism says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The purpose of your life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I was thinking about all of our needs. I'm thinking about how can we do this better? How can we provide this? How can we provide that? And, and I began to ask myself, boy, this is hard. And I'm like, Jesus, didn't you say your yoke was easy and your burden was light? Because this doesn't seem easy or light. This seems really complicated. And I'm thinking about the chief. This, what I love about this uh, quote from the catechism, it's very simple. The purpose of your life is to glorify and enjoy God. The purpose of this gathering is to give to God. We're a holy people, his possession, and we exist to minister to him. In 1 Peter 2.9, you know this one probably, it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In, in this in this passage here, Peter is hearkening back to what were in Deuteronomy and even in Exodus, some of the things that God said to his people. He said, remember what God was prophesying back then? You are the fulfillment of that. Now you are a royal priesthood. That means we function together not for the edification of ourselves, not even actually for the edification of each other. We function as priests unto God. So we, when we get up on Sunday morning, we put on our spiritual priestly garments, the righteousness of Jesus, we put those on, and we enter into the holy place together, and the only agenda is Jesus. I didn't really like that song. Oh, they keep doing new songs and I can't keep up. Sermon was too short. Sermon was too long. The doesn't matter. It's not about me. The question is, did Jesus get glory? Because I come in this room, I shut off my needs, I shut off my desires, I shut off my wants, and I bring him a sacrifice. How, how much simpler would it be if as the body of Christ we had that mindset and the expectation we put on the church was not an institution I go to to get what I need. But instead, it's like a, uh, 
a guild I belong to. We do this together. We, it, it's it's a, 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 a force that I'm a part of, a, a kind of like a club, but we have a mission. And, and I, I don't go to church. I am the church. And as the church, we minister unto the Lord. So we gather together because when we gather, our worship is multiplied and his glory is multiplied. That's the point of this. So we, we glorify God and enjoy him forever. I looked up the words glorify and enjoy. And glorify means to honor, to elevate, to light up. I love that. To light up, to represent, to represent, to deify, to enthrone. And enjoy means to experience, take pleasure, take satisfaction, adore, delight, relish, revel, savor. What I love about this statement, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, is the, the glory part seems to be a public demonstration of who he is, his nature and his character. It seems to be something that's like, I'm going to put Jesus on display. I'm going to light him up in the midst of the congregation, in the, in the, at my workplace, on the street. I'm glorifying Jesus in how I serve, how I work. It's a, it's a public thing. And then this other part, this enjoy, seems to sort of communicate the intimacy of he, he loves me, I love him, I'm satisfied in him. Last week, was it last week? Yeah, last week we talked about the dream thing, right? And during communion, I was in a group with Tom and Terry and Pete and Kathy and several others, and Terry said something that just, like, knocked my socks off. She said, just because Jesus is in my dream doesn't mean it's a Jesus dream. And I went, whoa, how many of us, we sanctify our dream by adding a, 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 a spot for Jesus in it. Here, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, you can come in, too. And along the same lines, how many of us are satisfied by Jesus versus coming to Jesus to get satisfied, if that makes sense? Like, Jesus has something that could meet my need versus Jesus is the only thing that meets my need. I, uh, I was watching a video this week of it was a pastor uh, talking about um, a church, famous church down in Dallas, that they do uh, morning, noon, and night prayer and worship, and their mission is we are ministers unto the Lord. And uh, this pastor is a, a pastor from Mexico, and he's, he's talking, he kind of did like a sort of a deep dive into the culture of the church down there, and he says, you know, it looks all spontaneous and crazy. He said, but they... It's intentional, and there's a foundation there. And he said, what is amazing is they have all these people. I mean, thousands of people are part of this church now. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, when we, we, I visited. It was packed. I don't know how many people are part. All these needs. And the, this guy says, what's so amazing is when they minister unto the Lord, 
The Lord meets needs in ways the church never could. And the beautiful thing, like thinking about it from the perspective of Jesus, I think he loves that we serve one another. I think he loves that we care for one another. But I also think there are some needs that Jesus wants to personally meet and we don't allow him to because we expect someone else to meet it. Like, what if, I think it would be amazing if your marriage was in trouble and this would be a real miracle. You came to me and I had some wise thing to tell you. Miracle. And it fixed your marriage. Amazing. I would be so happy. I'd be more shocked than you are. We would, we would celebrate together. Beautiful. But how amazing would it be if husband and wife said, let's take this thing to the Lord. I, I do care what my pastor has to say, but I wonder what Jesus has to say. I'm grateful for children's ministry to, to reinforce what I'm prayerfully instilling into my children, but I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to Jesus to transform their hearts. I'm looking to Jesus to lead and guide them. This is an added bonus. This is extra. It doesn't uh, absolve me of my responsibility or duty as the priest of my home. It's, it's gravy. I'm going to look to Jesus to meet that need. The church can be an idol. The church can be an idol. Just because it's Jesus, you know, church, it has Jesus' name on it, doesn't mean it's not an idol. An idol is anything you go to instead of Jesus to get a need met. And so I, I just want to I want to uh, remind you of your priestly calling, that you're called to minister before the Lord and unto the Lord. No one in between. That's why he tore that veil. It's you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus. At the end of the day. I love you. When you pass away, I will not be standing next to you when you stand before that judgment seat. It's you and Jesus. And I think we could be a revolutionary church if we would grab a hold of this actually very simple concept. And what's challenging is to communicate something that you all probably know and you've heard. in a way that says, you know what, I'm actually going to change the way I think. It's really challenging because I know we know this. But then it's the application part where it's like a need comes up and now you have to actually apply this thing that you know. That's the challenge. But can you imagine how simple and beautiful, and maybe it's only me because I'm, I'm like the, the, the person in charge, that I think how simple and beautiful it would be with that burden being lifted off of the church and put onto Jesus. What could we do? What could we do for our city? What could we do for Jesus? 
What could we do? How could we love one another and be freed up? How simple could this community be if all the expectation, all the burden was on Jesus? And we look to Jesus and we say, Lord, first and foremost, I give up my rights. By the way, the Levites, the, the, the tribe where the priests come from, and now I believe in the New Testament, we're all Levites. They got no inheritance. So one tribe that got no inheritance. They were entitled to nothing. You know, as a member of this church, I feel like I'm entitled to, you know, access, ministry, you know, and I have a problem. I need someone to return my call. I feel, you know, of course, those things are important, right? But actually, as a Levite, I'm entitled to nothing. They had one inheritance, God himself. And if any of the other tribes were thinking straight, they'd say, I'll trade you straight up right now, right here. They got land. We got Yahweh. And so here's my question. Is he enough? If we have nothing else, if we have no, if, if, if every program the church had went away, if children's ministry went away, if, if all these talented musicians went away, God forbid, if, if we lose the building, if we, all, everything we have, all the nice, no more coffee, um, I become even worse at this job. Like, oh, it could get worse, trust me. Is Jesus still enough? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Are we, are, we, are, we up to, are we up to the task of becoming priests who say, you know, actually, I have no inheritance. I come into this room empty-handed. I don't deserve anything. I don't need anything. I come to serve Jesus. I come to minister to Jesus today. And that's what we mean when we say we bring a sacrifice of praise. That's what it looks like to bring a sacrifice of praise. It means you come in this room and you say, my marriage is a mess. My kids hate me and hate Jesus. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, but watch this, Jesus. I'm putting all that aside. I have needs. I'm not coming to get my needs met. I'm bringing a sacrifice of praise. I'm coming to give to you because I owe you everything. And so I lay those needs aside. I'm not coming into this room because I have problems. I'm coming to this room because I have a Savior and I belong to him. And he, I owe him my very breath. And so I come in and I minister to the Lord. I minister to him. No strings attached. Not doing it so that he'll do something for me. It's not a spell. Our worship is not a spell we cast so that we get what we want. We just minister to him because he's worthy. And let me tell you, when you learn to operate in that sacrifice of praise thing, there's this dignity. I don't know what the word is. There's this, this, this honor in your heart. Like, I finally get to give him something that costs me something. I finally get to give him something when, it do, when it's painful. And it, it feels sweeter. It feels... I don't, I don't know how to express it, but if we can be the people that come in the middle of the pain, in the middle of all that, we lay it aside and we say, 
Jesus, you're enough. If I lose my house, you're enough. If my kids reject me, you're enough. If my wife leaves me, you're enough. If my car breaks down, you're enough. If I lose my job, you're enough. You're all I need. If you never did another thing for me, you still did more than I deserved. You're enough. Imagine what it would be like in this place. The freedom, the power. And I'm telling you, we would see the Lord minister to his people. And you would have God stories. Lots of people have great church stories. Oh, man, I was in need, and the church rallied around me. And I, I, that is on my heart. That matters. That does matter. I'm not, that's over here, right? Tension. But how much sweeter is it to say, you know, I was in need, and I came into worship, and the Lord spoke to me directly. And he healed my heart. I wasn't waiting around for the sermon. Jesus already spoke to me. Put him first. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of scriptures here to prove that I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ. This is Paul, the the head of the church, saying to the church, Hey, I know you have needs. Guess who's in charge of supplying your needs? God. My God will supply your needs. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. If you enjoy him forever, he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Ephesians 1, 3 says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You lack nothing. He gave you Jesus. He bankrupted heaven to rescue you. We can't come to him and say, I'm really, uh, I'm just really upset that you didn't meet this need over here. I feel like you're holding out on me. Every spiritual blessing. 2 Peter 1.3 Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. I need to end here real soon. Got a little excited. It's Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. My pastor is not my shepherd. I mean, I am, but I'm not. The Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is my shepherd, I don't want. I I will leave you wanting. This church will leave you wanting. The Lord will never leave you wanting. So let's look to Jesus. I'm going to invite folks to hand out the elements. We're going to take communion together today. I, want, I just wanted to have that sense of like the priesthood 
Like we're in this together. This is a, an assembly of God's holy people. So um, if you can listen while they hand out, I want to I wanna read something to you. <clears throat> Psalm 51, 16 and 17. David says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You'll not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And then Psalm 141.2, David says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So in Psalm 51, he says, you know how you commanded us in the law that you wanted a bull? I know you don't actually want one. The revelation here is very profound. What David, what God showed David here is profound. I know you don't want that. I know you want this. And then he's, he says, hey, could my prayer be counted as incense? In the, in the holy place, they would swing this thing with it that would, was burning incense. The priest would fill the room with incense and swing this thing around and fill the room with incense. Um, and it was sort of a, uh, a barrier between them and God, so to speak. So Because if, if they saw God, they'd, you know. And so that, that was kind of the picture of that. But they, they, would, they would fill the room with incense. It was, it was a, an instrument, uh, a part of the, of the tabernacle. And David is saying, let my prayer be incense before you. And then, and then they would lift the evening sacrifice before the Lord. Like, here's the sacrifice, God. And David is saying, how about I lift my hands instead? I want, I want you to imagine something. Just imagine, I'm not saying this is what happened, but imagine with me. I know David loved the house of God. He loved the tabernacle. He loved going into the presence. We see it all over the Psalms. Imagine this. David's been anointed to be king, but Saul's on the throne. Saul becomes jealous of David and chases him off. So David's in hiding. And he can't get to the tabernacle. He can't get to the place where they burn the incense. He can't get to the place where they offer the evening sacrifice. And he's in a cave somewhere. And his heart is aching to get back to that place. And it's just him and the Lord. And he says, Lord, I don't have a sacrifice. And I don't have incense. But if, if you're okay with it, could my heart be the sacrifice? And Lord, could, could my prayers be the incense that fills the room? And, and instead of lifting that evening sacrifice before you, God, all I, all I have are these hands. Lord, I guess what I'm saying is, since I can't go to the tabernacle, could I be the tabernacle?
You're God's holy tabernacle. You're his holy people. He, he wants to minister to you. In the tabernacle, they had this bread. They called it showbread. And if you translate showbread, the, the word there, the Hebrew word show, you could translate it face. Face bread. Much better than Facebook. Face bread. Face bread. And you know, the, the Israelites knew no one sees the face of God and lives. But Moses was this special guy. It says he talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. And only the priests were allowed to go into the room where this bread was. And the bread was actually for the priests. To this day, the Jewish people aren't sure what the bread actually means. We know it's the body. You have access to something directly. You don't need me. You don't need this room. You don't even need these songs. You have access to the face of the living God. You're a priest unto the Lord. Anytime, any place, anywhere. It's holy ground because you carry the Holy Spirit. You are the holy place. His possession, and you minister to him. Let me pray, and we'll take the elements. Lord, as your holy people, we don't take our role lightly. We lay our hearts on the altar, our needs on the altar, our desires on the altar. And we say, Lord, you are our inheritance. You're enough. We don't need anything else. And Lord, as your holy people, as we take the bread and the cup, we dedicate our lives to your glory and your pleasure. Lord, we eat the bread and we drink the cup of your suffering. And we remind ourselves of our place, what you've given us, the access we have, the privilege we have to come boldly. If we have you, Lord, we have everything we need right here in this bread, in this cup, everything we need. So as your holy people, we take your holy bread, thanking you for a, the body that was broken for us. Let's take the cup.
they used to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice all over that room. Lord, we thank you that your blood covers us. Your blood is what makes it possible for us to come close. It's sort of like we drink this cup and it's like a putting on of our holy garments like those priests used to do. We put on our priestly garments and we have access because of this cup. We thank you for the blood that didn't just save me from my sin. Didn't just, it, it didn't even just adopt me into your family, but it has made me a royal priest unto our God. We take the cup now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We will be your holy people. We'll glorify you and enjoy you forever. Amen. Amen.